The world is a strange and mysterious place, filled with both tales to terrify and tales to astonish. From lights in the sky to strange disappearances, from monsters in the woods to the dark depths of the sea. These events can happen anywhere and at any time. Some of these stories are well known, while others may have just happened. While we may never be able to confirm or deny these encounters, they continue to merit deeper exploration. My name is Jordan Lewis, and allow me to welcome you into the darkness. Tonight's episode, The Chilling Spirit of the Windigo. Up in the north where the cold wind blows, during the time when the darkness grows, an evil spirit descends below, the chilling spirit of the Windigo. Before I continue, I want to offer a chance for those who are spiritual to leave, as the Windigo can be a distressing topic for those who may be more affected by the supernatural. To summarize, viewer discretion is advised. The story of the Wendigo begins in times long past, with the Native American tribes of the Algonquin language family around the Great Lakes, Nova Scotia, and Canada's eastern coast. The English version of its name is derived from the Ojibwe translation, of which in total the Wendigo has 29 different words all referring to the same being. Basil H. Johnston, an Ojibwe scholar from Ontario, would describe the beast as follows. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from superation of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. While this image alone may seem like enough for some, it's not the only description. Some describe the Wendigo as a 15-foot giant made of ice that consumes all it comes across, growing in size to anything that it eats, leaving it hungry for more. Others describe it as having a deer's skull and exposed organs due to skin and muscle being eaten away to sate its hunger. The main details consistent from each depiction are its gaunt appearance and unending hunger, a hunger for human flesh. These descriptions apply to what is considered the Windigo Manifest, meaning the Windigo in the physical plane of reality. You may have even seen this form and not have known it. The physical form of the Windigo appears in many pop culture areas, ranging from literature such as Algernon Blackwood's The Windigo and the Marvel Comics depiction to film and TV such as Supernatural, Hannibal, and Pet Cemetery. However, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, I haven't described how the creature comes about, which I believe to be far more terrifying. For you see, before the Wendigo can enter our reality, it first requires a vessel, for as dangerous as the creature may be physically, it's the psychological damage it wreaks that's all the more tragic. The spirit of the Wendigo appears during the harshest of winters where desperation and self-preservation can take over the mind of even the kindest of souls. For at first it begins as a whisper on the wind, 
working its way into your head, filling your mind with thoughts not your own of dark and depraved things. Next comes hallucinations. You begin to see the Wendigo in the corners of your vision in the dark around you, or for brief moments as you attempt to suppress the thoughts in your head. Finally comes the possession. Should someone no longer be able to fight back against the influence of the Wendigo spirit, it takes hold of their body, allowing for the Wendigo manifest to be born. Once this happens, your soul is corrupted, subject wholly to the will of the Wendigo. Westerners have recorded multiple accounts of possession by the Wendigo since the 1600s. The earliest Western account comes from French missionaries in 1661, of which the account reads as follows. What caused us greater concern was the news that met us upon entering the lake, namely the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they would await our coming had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imagination and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Another notable case comes from 1878 in Alberta, Canada, when a Cree trapper named Swift Runner would report to the authorities of Fort Saskatchewan that his family died over the winter and that he was the sole survivor. However, upon investigating the cabin, the authorities found evidence that Swift Runner had actually killed and eaten his whole family despite emergency supplies being within 25 miles of the cabin. He would continue to say that the Wendigo had possessed him all the way up until his execution. Reports would take a sharp decline in the 20th century as conflict with Europeans would lead to a more sedentary lifestyle for the native peoples. All of these incidents would lead to the controversial psychology diagnosis known as Wendigo psychosis. Wendigo psychosis is classified as a rare cultural specific disorder in which the sufferer believes themselves to be possessed by the Wendigo. Symptoms of this disorder include depression, violence, and a compulsive desire to eat human flesh. With all I've discussed in mind, I'd like to share with you a short story found in the forms of the subreddit No Sleep, of which I will include a link in the description of tonight's episode. We were camping up in the northernmost area of Washington. My girlfriend is incredibly superstitious, so she insisted we brought weapons. So I had my combat knife and a 12-gauge shotgun, and she brought a 22 rifle alongside a newly sharpened machete. Our son was just three years old at the time. She and I were set on edge from a park ranger who seemed very tense and uneasy, who stopped us and, instead of confiscating our weapons, told us to be careful and stay safe, then sent us along our way to the camp. 
When we got there, we were informed that several visitors had spoken about some unnatural noises and a pale creature that would mimic voices and sounds of people who weren't talking or seemed to be distracted. I laughed and put the idea out of my mind, thinking to myself, there's no way, they're, they're messing with us, but I knew better. So we then reached the area where we were going to set up camp. We immediately got a fire ready to light and set up our tent and bags. I fed my son as my girlfriend ate a snack. We decided to get a lay of the area, so me and my girlfriend hiked around for about an hour or so. I had one of those baby carrying backpacks and my son started to get real heavy. Everything seemed normal until I saw something down the almost path we were on. We walked closer to investigate and saw drag marks. It looked as if someone had killed a buck. There was a whole outline in the dirt with a small dried pool of blood as if someone grabbed it from the antlers and pulled. That wouldn't be any would be possible for any man to do. The buck or whatever it was would have been way too big for that. Shaken, we rushed back to the camp and restarted the fire and hurried back into our tent. Too afraid to leave, since it was dusk by now, we stayed inside the tent and my girlfriend put our son to bed. Eventually, probably from the exhaustion of fright, we fell asleep. What must have been hours later, I awoke to a faint rasping sound that sounded like a child crying. I gazed outside in confusion and saw the outline of a creature that seemed to be a buck standing over something. Seemed about 20 feet away, but at a closer glance, it had unnaturally long limbs for a buck and was eerily tall. In sudden fear, I unloaded two shots into the creature and heard a loud, blood-curdling cry. My girlfriend awoke, screaming at the shots I had fired as I tried to explain what I had heard. To my surprise, the animal had moved an inch, but I... Then I noticed the stains on the side of the animal. It looked like blood was running down the edge and lots of it. It stared at me deep into my eyes and as I became petrified with fear, a sinister feeling of dread fell over me as if I knew I couldn't move. I thought to myself, what if it starts to bolt towards us? Just, just then as this tall, decrepit, demonic thing seemed to whisper something. I, I couldn't tell exactly what it was saying, but it seemed to have said, I need more children. My girlfriend screamed asking where our son was and we blacked out. In the morning we awoke to park rangers at our campsite. We didn't see our son anywhere. We told the rangers that he was missing and they started a search party. I explained what had happened and strangely they seemed to believe it. The one who appeared to be the older by at least a decade pulled along the one we met earlier and whispered in his ear. I only heard a single line, and I'm not sure if what I heard was correct. It sounded like he said, it's getting bolder. They didn't seem to want us to be by ourselves, so they waited for us while continuing the search. We stayed in a log cabin for three days with a forest ranger, when suddenly some rangers came into the cabin saying they couldn't find our son. My girlfriend started to sob, and I started to hate myself, thinking that I could have done something if I wasn't frozen in fear. We rushed outside only to find some injured and frightened police officials. The ranger wouldn't tell us anything about what happened or what they saw or why the cops were scared. All we know is that we don't have a son anymore. God help whoever goes into that forest next and please, please don't bring your kids with you. 
While the story is undoubtedly a work of fiction, with many aspects not lining up with the original legend, namely the location, it still presents us with a potentially terrifying and sad encounter. So that leads us to the question, what is the Windigo? Many different interpretations of the legend exist. Some view the story as a metaphor for human greed and depravity. Desperation can lead to people doing very dark and taboo things, and so can greed. Perhaps the spirit's real purpose is to warn against focusing solely on ourselves and to work as a group. This could explain why the psychosis only affects those who believe in it so deeply. An idea only has as much power as we choose to give it. This logic applies to it being a spirit as well, as, for example, demons within Christianity only have as much power as we allow them to. Or maybe there truly is a giant, gaunt skeleton roaming the woods of North America, craving the flesh of those unlucky enough to cross its path. I think it's time I bring you back into the light. It's getting awfully cold here. If you've seen anything strange or have any suggestions for future episodes, email me at jlewisofintothedarkness at gmail.com, and if you enjoyed tonight's show, share it with others as that encourages me to make more. I'll see you all next time we venture into the darkness. <laughs>